0: Uh, I wasn't speaking last week. I just want to shout out thanks to Ken if you're listening. Um, What a powerful message last week. Uh, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to to go and listen online. Maybe it's your first time here and you're visiting. Uh, my name's Mark. I work here, uh, and I'm just glad to, uh, to that that you guys are here. Maybe you're like, I don't do church. I just somebody invited me. We're we're just super glad that you're here this morning. So hopefully you just enjoy this uh, this time with us. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking on having um, joy in the journey. And uh, I wasn't really sure, I thought, you know, I couldn't get that that thought, that story of Paul and Silas out of my head, but I wasn't quite sure what it meant for me, and uh, this week I feel like I had to live out um, what I talked about uh, back a couple weeks ago, and so I want to share a little bit on that this morning, and uh, hopefully most of what I'm sharing this morning, I'm just really talking to myself, it's something I I, uh, desperately need to hear, and my hope is that through that there'll be stuff that you are able to learn from as well, and so let jump right in, yeah? yeah. All right, uh, have, have you ever felt overwhelmed before? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, overwhelmed, like, you just don't even know which thing, which way to turn next. If you're like, well, I'm not really sure, maybe I'll give you a few other descriptive words. Have you ever felt swamped, submerged, flooded, engulfed, like, drowning under the pressure? Maybe for you it was school, you know, you go you go back to school, You just it's your first day, and the teachers are giving you three hours of homework. You're like, well, it's the first day, and you get home. How am I going to do this whole year? Maybe for you, it's just this weather. I'm trying to build a house, and it just doesn't stop raining. It's like more rain, more rain, more rain. And for some reason, I always think of more rain when I think of more rain. I don't know why, but just, just putting that out there. I was thinking the other day, man, I should be building an ark out in the country rather than building a house because it just does not stop raining. And I looked at my... Forecasts and they're calling for more rain. I'm just like, oh, it's it's a little overwhelming. Maybe for you, it's your relationships. You know, like uh, things are just not going well with the people around you. You feel like you're playing Fortnite in real life. Everyone's out to get you, for those who know what Fortnite is. Right on. So maybe it's parenting and family. Maybe you've got, like, you're in that stage where you've got a whole bunch of little ankle biters, and you're like, is there ever going to be a time to breathe or sleep? Um, You know, it's, Uh, Jim Gaffigan, comedian, I was listening to him, he just describes, he's like, no one ever congratulates you once you have a fourth child. You know, first child, great. When you have a fourth child, they're like, oh, okay, I guess that's one way to live your life, right? And and, and, and people would ask, you know, what's it like to have four kids? And he's like, just pretend, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. Um, That's (laughs) what it's like to have four, I don't know how the stones are even awake and alive this morning, but Maybe for you, it's just you feel overwhelmed by it. Maybe it's work and bills, and you're like, I work to pay the bills, but I just can't keep up. I can't catch up. I just, there's just never enough, and it's, I can't do enough overtime to make it work. You're just overwhelmed. And maybe for you, you would just simply describe that sometimes it's just life. Life can be overwhelming at times. This week for me was particularly difficult, and I was hesitant to share about this this morning because I don't want you to stop calling, and I don't want you to stop texting, but this week it seemed like there was just an overabundance of hurt uh, and bad news this week. A lot of people around me hurting, and because I love you, when you're hurting, it hurts. It just hurts to watch others hurting. I was at the hospital four times this week, four times. One of the times was with people saying goodbye to their appendix. At another time was them saying goodbye to someone much more important, saying goodbye to a father, husband, and friend, hurting. Yesterday we had a community saying goodbye to a mom and a sister and a friend and a wife. You know, funerals this week, phone calls, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine called me. He's like, Mark, I'm at like the deepest uh, levels of depression that I've that I've been in a long time. My anxiety is just out of, out of kilter and just this, I don't know what to do here. Another friend of mine called me and said, listen, I, you know, I, I went to the dentist and I got a bad report. I'm like, I'm not sure. Like they're, they're sending me for like to a, to a cancer specialist. It's like, man, it, it just, it hurts. It hurts. And I feel like if I'm overwhelmed by this news, I can only imagine the people walking through it, how overwhelming that can be. How overwhelming it can be. You know, I got a text this week from somebody who just said, you know, what, what the world needs more is just a whole lot more of Jesus. I was like, it's true, because sometimes you feel like you're in those in those rooms or you're in those conversations with people. and You're like, I don't know how to help. I, I'm just another person. I, I I can't I don't know what to give, but all I can give is Jesus. And I reminded of that, reminded that, you know, the, the thought back in the day there was the bracelet. What would Jesus do? You know, when Jesus got overwhelmed, what would Jesus do? And that's a good question to ask if you're a Jesus follower. And this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'd encourage you to ask yourself that question sometimes. If I'm following Jesus, what would he do in these situations? And this week, as I was feeling overwhelmed, I was like, what would Jesus do if he was stressed out? And then I started reading. I was like, he just never got stressed out. I'm like, how is it possible that Jesus never got stressed out? And, uh, and, and I don't remember reading any of the stories where he was. And so I, I started to take a look at things. And I realized that, that he was in overwhelming situations. He was just no, never overwhelmed by them. He was in overwhelming situations, but just never overwhelmed by them. And I learned some things, and I want to share them with you this morning. You know, it was um, times where he faced some big, pretty big um, uh, uh, situations. It was the time where he fed 5,000 people. If anybody was in in Sunday school, remember the story? 5,000 people plus he fed with five loaves of bread, two fishes. Did I get it right? It's a test. Anybody ever in Sunday school? Yeah. Good. Yesterday I got it wrong. Five loaves of bread, two fishes. He feeds 5,000 people and we're like, oh, that's a great story. How many of you have ever waited tables? How many of you know what it's like, you know, if you've got to wait on a table of like, uh, you know, I, I went out for dinner with these fellows the other day, and it was like, it took an hour and a half for us to get in. So they're smiling for the picture, but they were a hangry horde. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, just wanting to, um, waiting for, for dinner to come. And our poor waitress, she's like trying to keep track of it. Jesse wouldn't stop drinking iced tea. That totally threw her off. Like eight iced teas, like trying to get a good Dutch deal. But um, it, it's like, she's like, oh, a little bit, you know, a little bit flustered. But picture 5,000. You know, eight's t- trouble. What about 5,000? Or if you've had your family over for Thanksgiving and you've made the whole meal, it's like, oh, picture 5,000. It can be a little bit overwhelming. Well, here's what Matthew, Matthew who was there. He was there. He, he, was, he was helping hand out food, and he writes about it after. And this is what he writes about what Jesus did uh, in the situation. Matthew chapter 14, you can follow along with us on the screen uh, or in your, or in your uh, Bible. Verse 22, it says this, immediately after this. When? Immediately. So he fed 5,000 people, and immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples got back in a boat. So dinner's finished. The disciples, he sends them back across the other side of the lake, and he sends the other people home. And then it says in verse 23, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there all alone. Immediately after this big sort of stressful thing, he's like, Goes off by himself. Mark, actually, another guy who we know to be friends uh, with Peter, he wrote in his account of what Jesus did in his very first, the very first chunk of the, the, the um, document he's writing. Mark chapter 1, verse 32, says this, that, that that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and the whole town gathered at the door to watch. That evening after sunset, I don't know about you, but after a hard day's work, and I do work, I know some of you think I only work on Sundays, but after, after a hard day's work, you just want to sit down and relax and flip, flip on Netflix. It's that time of day where Jesus has already done his whole day, and then the whole town shows up. And when they say the whole town, it doesn't mean everybody, but it's like painting that picture, like when you're, when you're a kid, mom and dad, everyone's going to be at the party. Well, not everyone, but a whole lot of people. Same thing, a whole lot of people gather around the door to watch as Jesus is healing people. And what does it say? Jesus, it says he healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. You can imagine he might've been tired, but he wasn't like, nope, just shut the door, lock it, just turn off the lights, pretend we're not home. You know, we'll go hide out in the basement. He's like, no, you know what? There's more. All right, let's let's talk to these people. Let's heal these people. And it says, um, but because the demons knew who he was in verse 34, he didn't allow them to speak. In verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, so after this evening of of overwhelming amounts of people, it says, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone's looking for you. Here's Jesus, and he's in that spot where people just keep coming to him for healing. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be the doctor or the nurses on the other side of the glass in the emergency room? We kind of know what it's like to be on our side. where We're sitting there and we're just waiting. We're like, oh, you know, what, what are they doing back there? Like, I'm sick. I need to see a doctor. And they're like peeking out thinking, oh, man, this, the lineup just never ends. You take one, three more in line. And it's that, that thing of maybe if they wait long enough, they'll just get better on their own and go home, right? Right. Um, do you ever think of what they what they feel like? Because by the time you get in, it's like they just get people at their worst all the time. It's a little bit overwhelming. Well, here's Jesus with, with lineups of people just at their worst. And then after that, it says he went out to pray. Well, what happens the next morning? Everyone's looking for him. It's like he wakes up and, you know, the first thing, they're, they're right there. It's almost like parenting. You know, you wake up and your kid's are like, Mom, 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 Dad, Dad, I need this. Dad, can I have breakfast? Dad, can I do this? Dad, can we do and it's And it's, uh, it gets a little bit... Overwhelming. I think we would find ourselves overwhelmed. Luke's a historian. He wasn't, a, wasn't a, an eyewitness follower of Jesus, but he talked to as many eyewitnesses as he could because he wanted to tell people like us someday, this is how it really went. I checked it out. I asked everybody. I made sure that what I'm telling you is true. And Luke tells a story how Jesus had a pretty difficult decision to make. He had a crowd of people following and he had to pick the 12 who were going to be his inner circle. And this is what Luke writes down, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One day soon afterwards, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. It's what he did before he had to make this huge decision. You've ever had to make big decisions that affect the lives of other people? Like selling your house and moving into your in-law's basement with four children? I did not pray about that all night. I, maybe I should have. Uh, it affects the lives of other people. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, man, i got to make these massive decisions? And here's what Jesus did. He said he went off on his own to pray. Luke actually writes a little earlier in chapter 5 that this was more than a one-time occurrence for him. It's where I want to spend the time today. Jesus had just healed a man and told him, listen, I just healed you. Now, you know what? Go home and enjoy being healed. Just don't tell everybody he didn't want massive crowds around him. He wanted to be able to freely move and do ministry. Well, this is what happened, Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds, vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. Uh, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. That, that, that often withdrew, that word withdrew means he would just slip away. Be like, they're all there, Jesus is hanging out, they're all with him. And they're like, hey, where did Jesus go? My father-in-law is actually really good at this. Um, he, it's, a, it's a skill I think you can learn, but maybe for those of you who know him, Dick DeVries, you uh, may have been in one of those experiences where we had a family get-togethers, and he's a, he was a farmer. He was a dairy farmer working hard. He'd need a nap every once in a while, and so we'd be all just hanging out, and all of a sudden everybody was like, hey, where did Dad go? Well, we started learning. We knew where Dad went. He'd slip off and go for a nap, but it would happen. People, Dick and Liz, would have a couple over for like uh, to come over, and there's you know Dick and Liz sitting with a couple, and then all of a sudden it's just Liz sitting with the couple. Where did he He go. Uh, uh, He just needed something, you know. He might be back, right? And and uh, time after time after time, that would happen. uh, He would just slip away, and that's the same kind of thing that Jesus would do. He would just, he would just slip away. It was almost like Jesus was giving himself a timeout, just saying, "I just gotta, I just gotta get away." You know, you familiar with timeout? How many of you, uh, your parents gave you a timeout in your life? Yes, all the younger people. The older people, like, what the heck was timeout? You know, I, when I was a kid and I was bad, my dad took time out of his busy schedule to whoop my butt, right? That's, that was, and we turned out okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they need time out. But, you know, the older, the older generation, it's, it, was, it was different. But we think about, about our kids, you know, with parenting. It's like it gets a little crazy now. It's so, all right. You know, I don't care who's right and who's wrong. You both you both get a, a time out. We have it in sports, you know, in football, basketball. There's that symbol for time out. Anybody know what it is? time out yeah time out i need sometimes people are like they on the field sometimes it's the coaches but they can call this um this past year i played indoor soccer uh with a few people here uh and i'm a tad bit competitive i, I thought that was all dealt with but it's still it's still a little bit there uh and so I was kind of out of shape, so at the early on in the year when I was like, oh, you know, I was getting a little flustered, I would just give myself a timeout, switch with somebody on the bench. But there's this one game where uh, I probably should have gave myself a timeout, and I waited too long. And so we were playing against this team, and there's this girl, it's co-ed soccer, and she's faster than me, and she'd take the ball around me, and she'd get by me all the time. And so then that one time I saw her, and she was going, she didn't see me coming, so I ran up behind her, and I tripped a girl, and I liked it, and... Uh, uh, the, uh, I know, it's terrible, the, uh, the, um the ref came over, right, she rolled, like, it was a big, like, ordeal, and he looks at me, he's like, that's it, you need a timeout, and two-minute penalty, and I, it's like that walk of shame across the field, and they send you to this spot, there's no penalty box, there's just this space, right, between the two teams, so you look over at her team, and they're all, like, glaring, like, what kind of idiot trips a girl, right, like, like glaring, just waiting for me to get back on the field for retribution, then there's my team they 're all like, "What the heck is wrong with our pastor right? like <laughs> here he is, like tripping people. like now we 've got to play short handed and then this is just, if that would have been bad enough, but it 's the one time, the one game that my family came to cheer for me and, <laughs> and so there 's my wife and my kids, yay, dad, yay, dad, there goes she sprawls out right in front of them, says a whole lot of words they 've never heard before and And then it's like, who's that guy? That's not our dad. I don't know whose dad that is. And it's like, oh, if only, if only I had just given myself a time out a little bit sooner, it would have been better. And you know what happens in life as well? I don't know about you, but there's often times where we're overwhelmed. If we don't give ourselves a time out, we end up taking it out on other people around us. Usually it's the ones closest to us. You know, we get so overwhelmed. I say, I don't see Jesus ever doing that. What I see is this, Luke chapter 5 or 16, Jesus often withdrew. To the wilderness. He often took a time out just in the wilderness for prayer. The wilderness, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of wilderness around here, so I throw, thought I'd throw a picture up there. Wilderness really just speaks of a place of no distraction. It was, a, it was a place where it's an ADD kid's nightmare, right? You go there, there's nothing new to see. You see one, you see one dusty old rock, you've seen them all. You see one scraggly patch of grass, you've seen them all. So it's—he'd go to a place where there's no distraction, just simply to pray. Do you have any places like that in your life? I'd ask myself that question. Do I have places where I can just go where I'm not distracted? Where I can just, if I was able to, to pray, that it would just be a place of no distraction? Very rarely. My, my life, and I imagine yours, looks more like this. Like Times Square at night, where it's like everything is just vying for your attention. It's like the boss, the kids, the wife, well, I'm not supposed to call her that. You know, the the boss, the kids, we'll go with the husband. The phone, the Facebook, the Netflix, the TV, you know, the stores, the sales, the online sales, whatever it is. is all vying for your attention, the stuff that you have to do, the stuff that's yet to be done. It's a little bit overwhelming. And when you see Jesus living out this example of finding places of solitude just to take a time out regularly, it's tough. You know, and for some, it's like, well, all of a sudden the excuses come up. Yeah, but this is really important. I'll do it soon. I have four children. How do you expect me? Lord, I'll, come, I'll take a time out in 20 years. You know, I read the story of a woman named Susanna. Susanna, her, uh, her last name is Susanna Ansley. Um, she's born in 1669, I believe. Uh, which is pretty amazing. If we're talking about someone from 1669, she must have done something pretty impressive. Um, the book that uh, I just want to share a little bit from, is, it's, uh, it's an excerpt from the book called uh, Only One Life, written by Jackie and Lauren Green. But it tells the story of Susanna. Susanna was the 25th child in a family of 25 kids. Born in London. I, know, I thought the Dutch had a lot of kids, but you Brits? I don't know. Must have nothing better to do. But they, um, 25... Twenty-five children. And she, here she is, early on in her life, um, raised in a home uh, of a pastor. She committed early in her life to say, I want to spend more time praying, and I want to spend more time studying the Word. Even though she had never been taught to read um, uh, in school, she had learned how to read from her siblings, and she said, I just want to spend more time in that than in leisure time. That's just a decision that she had made. By the time she was 19, she married a young man named Samuel, and together they had 19 children. That's not why we're talking about her today. That is impressive. But 19 children, of the 19 children, she lost nine of them in infancy. Two sets of twins, and she had one where she gave birth to the child, and while she was recovering from labor, the nurse had taken her baby uh, and, and it was sleeping and rolled over and suffocated her child without her having even been able to spend a day with her baby. Here's a woman, real woman, real stories, living this life with an incredible amount of loss, but to still have 10 children left is kind of an overwhelming uh, overwhelming life. She was married to a pastor, which is not always an easy thing, um, but uh, he wasn't a very good one either. Uh, he, she was married to this, uh, and he was a pastor for 39 years, but he... Uh, he was more into books than into, the, to, into talking to the people. And so they didn't really like him that much. And then when he'd preach, he'd preach about these divisive things that they so got them all angry. And so uh, they burned his house down. Even though it was the church's parish house, they burned it down twice. Susanna and her 10 children survived both of those fires. And she was, uh, it was difficult for her. She's a poor preacher's wife. She, she's got 10 children, but she homeschooled them. And so she spent six hours a day, six days a week, teaching her kids. And, uh, you know, it, it would, was one of those things where she realized that even though I have so many children, there's an incredible value in having time alone with my children. So she set up a schedule, and she had uh, every day one hour that one child would get to spend one hour alone with her, and she just had a revolving schedule. For every 10 days, it would change over, and she'd spend one hour. I think it's a powerful thing. I know I don't do enough of that myself, and I thought, man, that's, that's challenging and encouraging. You know, her husband was often away, so she was responsible for the home, the kids, and the farm that they were living on. And I'm like, man, how would anybody find solitude in a moment like that, in a life like that? But if you or myself or anyone would have happened to have walked down the the streets of Epworth and looked into the windows of her house, you might see an odd sight. You may have seen, because it was frequently happened, there would be Susanna sitting on a rocking chair with her apron up over her head. And her kids knew when mom's got the apron over her head, do not mess with her. She's meeting with God. And she would spend that time. She would pray for her kids. And she would pray for her husband. And she'd pray for the people of her church. And she'd have her Bible hidden down underneath underneath that apron. And she would just begin to read. And she would study the Word. And she's just like, you know what? I need to take a time out. And she would spend up to two hours every single day under that apron. Those simple timeouts led to some incredible things. She would teach her, she went to the church uh, down the street uh, and when her husband was away and the, the, the preachers, I guess, were not that good and so she was like, I'm not learning anything here. My kids aren't. I'm going to teach them at home. I'd encourage you the same thing. If you don't learn anything here, please go find Better Preacher at home. But uh, the same, same thing she would say as she was there with her kids, she began to teach her kids on, uh, on Sunday mornings instead. And her kids were learning about the word and learning a passion for the Lord because she had it. And then as they, they went out, all of a sudden other people were like, hey, you know, I heard you're teaching your kids. Could we come and sit in? And so they would come over on Sunday mornings and sit in in her house until approximately 200 people would, uh, had arrived at her place wanting to learn and wanting to listen. And so they moved to a different building, and she would, she would just teach them the word. Well, it was pretty, pretty amazing. But most of you won't remember Susanna, but you may have known her kids. John was one of her children. John Wesley, a young boy that went on to become a preacher and preached over a million people. I thought, well, that's not too big. I've probably done that. Uh, and so they started adding up the numbers It's going to take me 192 years to get to, you know, a million people preaching once or twice a weekend here. I was like, that's a pretty impressive thing. He helped spread revival over a whole nation, founded the Methodist Church, and saw people in countries all around the world affected by the gospel of Jesus. You may not remember a single word of John Wesley's sermons. You may never have heard one, but I bet you remember some of the words that his brother wrote. His brother was Charles Wesley, wrote 6,600 hymns. Some of them you've probably sang, Jesus, lover of my soul. If you were raised in the church of hymns, you may remember that one, but I bet you've sung this one, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You know, the thing, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. They spread revival over a whole nation, and their names are forever written in the history books because of Susanna Wesley's decision to say, I'm going to take a time out every single day. It's life is overwhelming, but I'm going to take a timeout. Who knew? Who knew? I don't think she knew what could, could happen as a result of that one timeout. You know, I look at my own life, and I, just to be honest, have not perfected this. I'm not even close to this. You know, this week, um, just feeling overwhelmed and not quite sure, you know, what to do, where to, where to, where to look. There's, there's a part of me that finds solitude and quiet a little awkward, Apparently, so do you as well. (laughs) See, we don't do this very often at all. When I hop in my car, got to have some music going, same old Leaf Sports, CD, whatever it might be, because it's a little bit awkward. I hate silence in conversation, sitting with somebody and all of a sudden it gets quiet. I'm like, I'm the guy who's always like, I just got to say something, fill it in, fill in the gap. Even if I regret saying it later, just got to say something. And I do often regret some of the stuff I say. I remember, I think I've shared this story with you before, but I remember back in Bible school, I was sitting, in, you know, I sat in the third row, and just down the row from us it was, this, was this girl in Bible school. It was three weeks in, and, and all the guys were like, wow, you know, that's, that girl's so good looking. they talk about her all the time, and they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then all of a sudden, three weeks in, she comes up uh, during one of the breaks, and she, she stands up. She says, hi, I'm Amber. And I'm like, uh, in my head, it's like, say something, you know, this is this awkward. Say something, just say, say something. And she's going to think you're weird or whatever. I'm just like, uh, hi, um, so uh, you going to school here? And she's like, well, yeah, uh, see you later. She never saw me later. Um, but those things, those awkward pauses, those awkward silence, my worship leaders know it too because I tell them, don't leave any awkward silence between the songs. Good job this morning again, Simon. But you know what I've realized? That those silence is not always a bad thing. That it's uh, times when you're, you know, even with prayer, find it difficult sometimes to just listen at the end. You know, just it, we find that with prayer. It's like, you know, it's just okay. You know, God, I need you to talk to me. I need you to talk to me. I need you to talk to me. Please talk to me. Okay, fine. Don't talk to me. Amen. And we're done. It's difficult sometimes. Just to simply listen. So this week, really wrestling with a lot of things and just went down to my room. I live in my in-law's basement, so it's not my room and it's not decorated the way it's normally decorated. But as I went to the room this, this, uh, uh, this week, I just looked up and there's this, this plaque, this artwork that's hanging up uh, above my bed. And it says this, let, let us be silent that we might hear the whisper of God. Let us be silent that we might hear the whisper of God. So I sat there. I was like, you know what, it's something I could really use right now. And as I was about to flop on my bed, I looked at the blanket that's on my bed, and here's the blanket that's on my bed. Be still. I know that I'm God. I'm like, okay, okay. Either my mother-in-law is trying to tell me something or the Lord is trying to tell me something. And I realized, you know, I started looking at this and it's like sometimes you picture this verse, you've seen it on a coffee cup or a mug. It's like, oh, just be still, just relax and just know that he's God. And you think, oh, when life's relaxing, I'm out camping or just sitting under the stars on the fishing trip. Yeah, I can just think, oh, yeah, it's nice to just think that he is God. But that's not where this was written. It was not the time that this was written at all. Psalm 46, verse Well, let me just read you a couple of the verses. It says this, God is our refuge and our strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. And the nation was in a big time of trouble at that moment. The psalmist was writing this while his nation was at war. His nation was at war. The Assyrian army was on the doorstep attacking every um, si- uh, city and town along the way. And he said this, God's our refuge and our strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. We will not fear the earth- when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. You know, the earthquakes could have been the sound of the marching armies coming at their doors. We won't be afraid. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. And then it says interlude. They write these little notes in there to say, you know, I just stop and think about that for a minute. Yeah, life's crazy all around us, but we're not going to be afraid. Yeah, the enemy's on our doorstep, but the Lord is our strength and he's our refuge. Verse 6, it says, the nations, they're in chaos. Their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. You know, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And he says again, stop, think about that for a minute. The Lord of heaven's armies is among us. Do you realize that that's true this morning as well? Because he promises that he lives in me and he lives in you. And I'm convinced even if he's not living in me, he's living in you. I'm convinced of the fact that God is among us. We know it that the Lord of heaven's armies is among us. But so often we're just so busy and caught up in the chaos, so we don't remember that he's among us. And here's what he says in verse 10. Yes, chaos everywhere, but be still. And that word is not just like be calm. It just simply means stop. Stop striving, stop trying so hard. Would you just stop for a minute and remember that I am God. Be still and know. know, be convinced of the fact that I am still God. I'll be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world because the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. It reminds them again, the God of Israel is our fortress. You know, this week, it's that same thought of saying, I know it's crazy. I know it's overwhelming. I know you're getting phone calls. I know it feels like the weight of the world is going from other people's shoulders to yours, but I'm still God. I know that you're right in the thick of things. You're in the thick of grief. You're in the thick of of hurt and heartache, but I'm still God. Would you just take a moment to remember that I'm still God This week, I was picking up some lumber with uh, Uncle Bob, Bob Lanus. I last night said he's 100. I've been corrected. He is not 100 years old, but he is old. And uh, we were out. um, uh, He had asked me to come help him unload a whole bunch of uh, big 4 by 12 foot sheets out of the back of his pickup truck. And I was like trying to show off a little bit, like, I got this, Uncle like, Bob, I got this. And I picked up this 4x12 sheet, and I carried it off the, off the truck, down the driveway, into the shop. And as I got to their place, I'm like, man, it doesn't even feel that heavy. I don't know what his problem was. And then as I get to the end, and we start lifting, he's, I look back, and I, he's like, hey, I was carrying the other end the whole time, you know. And I'm like, oh, no, okay, well, that, that, you know, okay. It, it, it felt a whole lot lighter. And in that moment, just a picture came to me of, 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 of how I just believe God works with us. That's just picturing, you know, a little little boy carrying like a big two-by-four, smiling as he's got the end of the two-by-four in his arm, but just behind him is dad carrying the weight. And for many of you, yeah, you're carrying that little edge. You're carrying that two-by-four. You're still walking through stuff. You're still walking through some difficult things, things you feel like you've got to carry, but he's saying to you, let me carry the weight. Let me carry the weight. Peter said it this way to the followers of Jesus. Would you cast your cares? Would you cast your burdens, the heaviness? Would you just throw that onto your heavenly father? Because he cares about you. Would you not, not be buried under that? Would you take that? And how do we do it? Oftentimes, it's simply that reminder of saying, I'm just going to take a time out. Remember, yeah, that I'm feeling a lot, but he's still, he's still God. There's a song that we sang at the worship night. It just says, take a moment to remember. Who God is and who I am. No matter where you are this morning, would you do that? Just take a moment just to remember. Yeah, it's crazy, but this is who God is. This is who I am. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. And then the rest of the song goes, there, there you go, lifting my load again. I don't know about you, but I had that this week, feeling overwhelmed and just taking that time out. I was like, you can breathe. Like, There you go. I don't know how, but God, you're lifting my load. Nothing has changed out here, but I don't feel the weight. I don't feel the weight. It's a great song. You can look it up. And if you don't get it after the first line, don't worry. They sing it like 50 times. So by the end of the song, you do know. There you go. Lifting my load again. So in closing today, what about you? Do you feel overwhelmed? Well, I know I do sometimes. You know, do you need to take a time out? Do you need me to give you a time out? You know, do you, are you in that place where you're just like, oh, needing to remember that he's God? You know, I just want to leave you with this thought. God doesn't want you overwhelmed by life. That's not, he knows life's overwhelming. He doesn't want you overwhelmed by life. Jesus was in overwhelming situations, not overwhelmed by them. And the same for you. You know how I know it? Because Paul later on would write to the Jesus followers. He'd say, listen, the situations around your life, they are overwhelming. The persecution, the stuff you're going through, it can be overwhelming. But I don't want you to be overwhelmed by life. I want you to be overwhelmed by him. In the same way that rather than having that overwhelming pressure of, oh, Having that overwhelming presence of his spirit on the inside of you. And it comes as you just take a moment to remember. Here's what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. I just want to read it straight. It's it's not like, this is not, uh, this was a letter that he wrote. And he just circulated to groups of Jesus followers. So it passed from one group to the next. And today it passes into our hands. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 1 verse 6. It says, I praise God for the glorious grace that he's poured out on us. You got stuff pouring out on your life. Well, Just know that he's poured out grace on you because you belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. And he forgave your and my sins. He showered us with kindness. You feel like it rains in your life and it's pouring. You feel like all the other stuff, when it rains, it pours. But He, remember, he's showering you with kindness today along with wisdom and understanding. Verse 16, he says, I, I've not stopped thanking God for you, and I pray for you constantly. I'm asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts would be flooded. I pray your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he's given to those he called, to you, his holy people, who are rich, Uh, uh, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. I pray that you'd understand, yes, you're up against it, but that you would understand the incredible um, power that he has for those who believe, those who trust in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the same power that dwells in you. Let your heart, let your life be flooded with that understanding that, yeah, I'm in the thick of it. But the power of the race, Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me. Chapter three finishes it by saying, I'm praying. I'm praying that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you this morning with inner strength through his spirit. That Christ would make his home in your hearts as you trust in him that your roots will grow down deep into God's love, and that that would keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love is. That when you feel like you're far away from God, His love reaches. When you feel like you're in the depths of despair, His love reaches even deeper. May you experience the love of Christ, not just know it here. May you be overwhelmed by it. May you experience it. May it be like, you know, like a hamster drinking out of a fire hose. That his love is just like overwhelming. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it's chasing me down. It fights till I'm found. It'll leave the 99. It's coming after you. God, that whatever I'm facing, I know that I know that I know that I'm loved. And he says, now all glory to God who's able. And just even that word, ah, no matter what, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Maybe you sit here and you're like, are ah, God, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to say. Maybe just start here. Maybe just look these up and just pray this over you. Paul gets so excited by the end. He's like, oh, you know, all glory to God because I believe what I'm praying over you. And so the challenge this week for me and for you is this. Would you take a moment at some point today or this week, just one? Well, you can do more than one if you'd like, but just once. Would you find a place of solitude? Would you just find a place where you stop and just say, God, I on purpose, am just going to find a place of no distraction, no cell phone, no Facebook, no no, no kids, no nothing. I don't, whatever it takes, I'm going to find that place. God, I just want to just be quiet for a little bit. I, I know that you care about me. I'm giving you all the cares that are in my heart. And in the end, I'm just going to stop and listen for a minute. Help me listen that I might hear the whisper of God. And the last thought, you know, who knows what the history books are going to write about you? Who knows? Who knows what the history books will write about me will write about you? Susanna never thought that history books, the countries, would be changed as a result of taking a timeout. But who knows what the history books will write about you because you decided to take a time out. Overwhelmed? Overwhelmed? May you be overwhelmed by his love, by his truth, by remembering that. And so this morning, my challenge, that is to the Jesus followers here. If you're here this morning, you're not a Jesus follower. Like somebody invited me to church. They said there's free brownies, so I went. And here you are, and you're like, Wow, I don't know what this was, but I feel something. I don't even I don't I don't know, but there's something going on here. You you know who you are this morning. Can I just tell you that, that that's the God of the universe? He knows you, He loves you, He's reaching for you. You might feel a little uncomfortable, you might be like I I don't know what this is, I gotta get out of here, and yet I don't know what this is, but I'm missing something. And you know what deep down inside. And maybe you feel like you're overwhelmed by guilt, overwhelmed by shame, overwhelmed by maybe you'd call it sin, or you just maybe say, Oh, I'm overwhelmed by the mistakes that I've made in life. I came in here thinking, Oh, I hope he doesn't hope I don't get struck by lightning. <laughs> Can I just tell you something? He doesn't want you to live overwhelmed with that. It's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to forgive. Not that you could become a better person, just so you could be free of guilt and shame. And as a result, you will be a better person because he makes you that, not because you do it. And so this morning, if that's something you're like saying, hey, that's something I need. He's inviting you to come follow him. He's inviting you to leave kind of the life that you've been in control of, making your own decisions, saying, God, I just I surrender that to follow you. I'll give you my broken, messed up life. God, I'll take your forgiveness. And I'll follow you. You have no idea, no idea how amazing life can be as a result. You still face stuff, but you face it with someone who is greater, who is stronger, who is more powerful. And in the end, he is our reward that we spend eternity with. Something for you to think about today. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can call you Father, because you called us your children. Lord, thank you that... uh, When we're just running, running and running, and just going on full bore that maybe sometimes forgetting the most important things that you don't forget and that you keep reaching out for us. Jesus, thank you for bringing my attention to this again this week. Thank you for your overwhelming, incredible love that you've poured out in my life. And I just pray that now or all over each of the people that that I know about this week that are hurting but father for the ones that I don't, but you do. God, would you help us just to slow down a little bit and remember and allow your love to flood our hearts, to carry us through, to walk with us, to to empower us in these moments. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for your presence. What a gift to be able to do life with the God of the universe. Pray over those this morning who don't know you. Lord, as we leave this place, that they just continue to have a sense of your love for them. Lord, as we uh, walk out from this place, knowing that you're with us, may the world see you in and through our lives. May they find salvation as a result. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving your life for us. We're forever indebted to you. Live today and the rest of this week with you and for your glory. It's in your awesome, wonderful name I pray. Amen.